Welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by John Paulson. And John, Falcons lose. Falcons are, they got destroyed. Packers lose in one of the more frustrating ways imaginable uh, with their kicker, uh, Mason Crosby, who is on my fantasy team. So that was that was nice. He went bustola and had one of the worst performances from a kicker in NFL history. So I imagine you're not too great this morning. Yeah, we're sort of in the same boat again with the Falcons, the Packers losing. Uh, I just want to mention that uh, Mason Crosby is also on my son's fantasy team. Oh no! But uh, it was a, I think it was a zero point. No, he got three points right at the end. But I think they did minus one for missed field goals, so he ended up with a zero. Um, so there we got that going for us, and it's the same thing every week when they play a. I tweeted this out that when they play a decent team. The Packers fall behind in the first half because they're not prepared. They have a poor game plan. They don't get touchdowns on their first few drives. And then they have to go up tempo and hope that Aaron Rodgers can bail them out. So one wonders, why don't they just go up tempo from the start and let Aaron Rodgers sling it 40, 45 times a game and uh, get touchdowns early in the game? Because that would be really nice. <laughs> well... <laughs> if you if you could see it, if you could see it, you, you wonder why you know Mike McCarthy and his coaching staff can't. But I would like to believe there's some there's some reason behind that. But I do think that we we're finally starting to see in the NFL, and 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 a lot of people say it's just it's become a catchphrase. Oh, the league wants more points, so boom, magically there's more points. Well, yeah, they they want to cater toward fantasy owners and you know fantasy football and, and betters and things like that by by putting offense on. But when you're watching Sean McVay's offense and Andy Reid's offense and some of these younger co- coordinators that are now head coaches coming to the league and they're they're just taking advantage of their quarterback skill sets, it's not just the NFL wants to see more points. These guys have finally adapted more toward the college game, uh, and it's taken them a long time, but they have, and, and you're getting these quarterbacks that have gone through all of these They've got these reps from when they were young kids, and they've got these QB coaches, and and that's part of the reason why you're seeing this explosiveness. But why, why, why certain head coaches and McCarthy's one of them that they're so passive and they're so conservative, and they don't they don't just say, you know what, we're losing games or we're 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 getting in situations where we're falling behind early. Why don't I just unleash Aaron Rodgers and say? I'm not going to do it the way it's been done. I'm not going to strive for balance. I'm not going to try to build a, a, a running game. I'm going to try to establish a lead first, and then I'll run the football in the second half. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. they could run. They can run out of shotgun. Uh, Aaron Jones is perfect for that. You know, Jamal Williams can do that too. Ty Montgomery. I mean, you don't have to not run the ball. You just spread them out and then – make your call at the line, but that's what, I don't know what's going on exactly with Rogers and McCarthy. I know there's some grumbling going on. Um, it seems like Rogers is not happy with the offense and how it's uh, producing. Uh, it seems like when they go up tempo, I don't think McCarthy's calling necessarily calling the plays there. I mean, he's got his giant play calling sheet, which I'm sure has plays on it from 2005 when he was the 49ers <laughs> offensive coordinator. And there's plays that he wants to run that worked, 
you know, that year. But I don't know. I would love to see the yards per play when it when they're going up tempo and it looks like Rodgers is really calling the plays, calling the shots versus uh, you know, when McCarthy, you know, we have not gotten a touchdown in the first drive that I can remember. And maybe I'm blocking them out, but it just seems like every week it's either a three and out, maybe a field goal attempt, but uh, just early in games, just not scoring points. It's frustrating. Anyway, I don't think everybody wants to hear about the Packers. Everybody's <laughs> nodding their heads at home. So <laughs> well, tell us, yeah, tell us about the music and we'll, we'll dive into the podcast. Yeah, it's a really good track by uh, Parker Millsap. It's off his 2018 al- album, um, other arrangements. It's a lead track off of it called uh, Fine Line. So I'll add that to the Most Accurate Podcast playlist. You can find a link to that uh, in any of the podcast posts at the 444.com website if you want to follow that uh, playlist. Beautiful. All right. We keep telling you about League Sync, and we keep telling you about League Sync for a reason. And if you're sitting there right now and you're like, every single week I got to pick up somebody off the waiver wire, and I never know who to pick up, and Every single time, I wind up only getting a few points. I just, I'm frustrated by the waiver wire process. Well, look, don't forget, we now have an iPhone or iPad app that helps you set the highest scoring lineup every week and pick up the highest scoring free agents for the week and the rest of the season. It's free to download. Just do a search for 4 for 4 or League Sync in the App Store. Existing Pro and DFS subscribers get full access to the app's features. Everyone else receives a seven-day free trial. you got to check it out. Again, it's called League Sync. I don't know why you're doing all the heavy lifting when League Sync can do all the hard work for you. Let's dive into the injuries for Week 5 or Sunday's action. And we start off with Matt Breida. High ankle sprain. These are tricky. He's listed, uh, could be out for, for two to four weeks. That's the time span. What's your feeling on Alfred Morris moving forward? Where, where would you have him? Uh, I know it depends on the matchup, John, but is, is, he, a, is he a solid RB2 play if you've got him on your roster? Uh, I, I think Breda uh, will be out um, probably three to four weeks, not two to four. I, I know that, that that's the diagnosis, but these high ankle sprains are always always seem to linger longer than they should. Um, so I would expect to have Morris for three to four games as the as the – starter he had 18 carries for 61 yards three catches on five targets which is a lot of usage in the passing game for him I don't think Cal Shanahan's really going to change his offense a whole lot because Morris is not the greatest pass catcher in the world Um, but he had five five targets three catches 30 yards so 91 total yards 21 total touches Uh, Cal Juszczyk uh, had seven touches they're all uh, receptions oh he had one one carry for 12 yards Raheem Mostert uh, five for 11 in the running game and one catch for negative two yards in the passing game. So I really think it's going to be uh, Morris and Juszczyk, uh kind of holding down the fort while uh, Breda's out. Or Breda? Breda, whatever. Breda is out. Um, so funny story. When I was checking the uh, late game inter- inactives for the 49er game, uh, NFL.com for the second or third week in a row had something wrong. It showed uh, Breda um, inactive. And so I went through the work of taking him out. It was kind of a surprise to me too because he was supposed to supposed to play. Uh, took took him out of the rankings. Put you know Morrison as the RB one there, and he ended up at RB fifteen in standard format. So he was probably I didn't look, but he was probably a few spots lower in PPR. Um, so I'm telling you that because that's sort of where he came in at in a good matchup. Actually, a great matchup against Arizona. They were 32nd, less in the league, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs heading into the game. 
So in really good matchups, Morris will be a high-end RB2. I would expect in mediocre, he'd be like a solid RB2 because of volume. I mean, it's hard to find running backs that are going to get 18 to 22 touches in a given game, uh, especially on the waiver wire. So if he's out there, uh, pick him up. You can count on RB2 numbers uh, for the next uh, three to four weeks probably. We can do this kind of quickly, and we'll, we'll lump them both together since they both play, the same, play for the same team, same position. Brandon Cook suffered a concussion. He's week-to-week. Week. Cooper Cup also suffered a concussion week-to-week. Week. Is this just a matter of tracking them throughout the week, seeing if they could clear concussion protocol? Yeah, and the one option on the waiver wire as sort of a safety net is to pick up Josh Reynolds. Uh, he... Stepped in, caught a couple passes yesterday for 39 yards. He had one start back in 2017 as a rookie. He had six targets, four catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown in that game. Uh, I think if both Cooks and Cup are out, then Reynolds will be ranked in the 30s or 40s in my in my rankings for week six. Uh, if one of them is out, then I think he's more of a 40s, 50s type guy because uh, he'll probably uh, focus on Robert Woods and whoever is healthy amongst uh, Cooks and Cup. And obviously if they're both back, um, then Reynolds goes back to the bench. But uh, Geronimo Allison had a concussion last week, week four, and was unable to get cleared for week five. So it's no it's no sure thing. Usually these guys have concussions and they're able to get back the following week, but it really depends on the severity and what, what they're dealing with with their symptoms. So we'll see. Cincinnati suffered yet another injury to the tight end position. Already Tyler Eifert is out for the season after suffering that nasty ankle injury two weeks ago in Atlanta. Tyler Croft sprained his foot yesterday in that win over the Dolphin. Uh, Dolphins, he's, he's week to week. C.J. Uh, Usama is the third third tight end, and, and they use a lot of two tight ends anyways, but talk to us a little, about, a little bit about C.J. Usama. Well, actually, Usama was the second tight end. He was actually playing ahead of... Tyler Croft uh, leading into last week, and that's why we were talking about him as the better pickup uh, in the waiver wire watch uh, for week five, and he ended up playing, I think, 90-something percent of the snaps uh, last game, and Croft was more of a part-time player. I don't know when he got injured, but he ended up with, I think, 40% of the snaps. I was just looking at it this morning. Uh, Uzuma had only had two targets, but he caught both for 43 yards, average of 21.5 yards per catch. Um, I think he, you know... You're looking at Green with ten targets, Boyd with seven. They did. They had no John Ross. Um, you know, Alex Erickson got three. Mark Walton got three. Joe Mixon got four. So Uzuma could range anywhere from that two target to seven, six, seven target range. I think he's um, got enough talent and speed to stretch the seam and could make a big play. Uh, he's also got a decent chance to score a touchdown any given week. All right, finally, Kerryon Johnson sprained his ankle. He's week to week. LeGarrette Blunt hasn't done much for the Lions at all, but now he winds up being uh, the, the, back, the clear back to own there. But I guess it depends on the severity of Kerryon Johnson's sprained ankle. Yeah, if it's, not, if it's a mild one, then he can be back next week. If it's a high ankle like uh, 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 Brita has, then it's a uh, three- to four-week injury. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. I think they were working on it, and then he came back and tried to play. Uh, so I would not expect it to be too bad. I think he, you know, we'll have to see what he does this week and if he's able to play. Blunt, for his part, carried the ball 12 times for 22 yards. That's a solid 1.8 yards per carry, but he did have two touchdowns. He uh, seems to be the goal line back there, at least in short yardage, very short yardage. Um, I know Johnson had a touchdown against the uh, 
Cowboys, I think it was previous week. So um, if Johnson's out, you're looking at a blunt Riddick uh, committee. Uh, neither guy's super, you know, a person to get super excited about. So it'll depend on the matchup, uh, you know, whether or not they're startable. All right. I wanted to do this. We, we normally talk about the Seahawks in our RBBC section every week. I wanted to include them in the fantasy quick hitters this week because, uh, you know, looking at Seattle's offense, they scored over 30 points yesterday. But, you know, how they did it was unique. So Russell Wilson only completed 30 passes, uh, 13 passes, excuse me. He only completed 13 passes. Doug Baldwin caught one of his, his only target. That was it. Tyler Lockett only caught three of five targets, but he turned that into 98 yards and a touchdown. Mike Davis rushed 68 yards, TD on 12 carries. Chris Carson was still involved. He got 19 carries for 116 yards, and then he also caught one one pass for 11 yards. If you're if you're looking at the Seattle offense as a whole, talk to us a little bit about Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, your feeling on Tyler Lockett, just your overall outlook for the Seahawks moving forward, because this is one of the toughest fantasy offenses to kind of break down in my eyes. Yeah, Wilson didn't have a carry, uh, which he typically adds, I don't know, 20, 30, sometimes 40 yards uh, rushing. He hasn't been doing it this year. He's only averaging eight yards rushing. He doesn't have a rushing touchdown on the season. Uh, so that's really you know hitting his bottom line. Uh uh, averaging 28 uh, pass attempts per game. And this is a kind of another situation where they're, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league and they want to establish the run and they just want to run the ball. Uh, this is something you do maybe if Trent Dilfer is your quarterback, not Russell Wilson. Uh, so it's frustrating, but then you look at Russell Wilson's schedule and they, so far they've played Den- at Denver, at Chicago, Dallas, whose defense is, is improved at Arizona, number one in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, the Rams, number six in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, and they are pretty banged up at corner, and that was part of the reason that um, Wilson was able to throw three touchdowns. So looking at his upcoming schedule, uh, he's at Raiders, 22nd. There's a bye in week seven. At Detroit, 21st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And then Chargers um, in week nine. So things are looking up. Um I think for Russell Wilson, he also has the 49ers week 13 and week 15, uh, the chargers, I'm sorry, the chiefs in week 16. So his playoff schedule looks pretty good. They have, he has the Vikings at home in week 14. They've been pretty bad against the pass, especially on the road. Uh, so nothing really foreboding, uh, in the long term either on the schedule. So will they get it turned around? He's been under 200 yards passing for three straight weeks. He's got five touchdowns in the last, three weeks um, and very little yards rushing. So it's, it's frustrating. Um, I, he's somebody that I probably would uh, bench if I needed to, if I had another quarterback that was a better option in any given week, I probably would just bench him instead of cutting him. I know it's uh, against the rules to carry two quarterbacks. A lot of fantasy analysts will tell you not to do that, but I think down the stretch, he'll pick it up and start getting it going again. I think he's going to need to realize that he needs to run the ball a little bit too, to be, to get the open the offense up for, for everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by the lack of rushing as well, and and that is one asset. You know, every every single yesterday, if I was interesting from a betting standpoint, the Seahawks were getting seven and a half points at home, and that's you just haven't seen that since uh, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, you know, combined to to do what they're doing out in Seattle. And 
I thought to myself, like, all right, well, if nothing, if nothing else, if Russell Wilson's got to do it on his own, he will. But that's not how they won yesterday, or that's not how they kept it close yesterday. Uh, it was more about you know, kind of big plays and then rushing. And Seattle, Seattle's been a weird team all year. I, th- I think we know that they're not great, but you know, they still have got certain elements that make them intriguing. One more fantasy quick hitter, and then we'll move on to some RBBCs. Austin Eckler, you were really high on him. I think he was one of your sneaky starts on Friday. Is he a legitimate RB, RB2 moving forward? He had six rushes for only 15 yards, but then he then he had seven catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he's uh, – I mean, you look at what he's done this year. Uh, he's got – he's averaging 6.8 rushes per game for 40 yards, and he's averaging 2.8 uh, receptions for 41 yards, and he's got – three uh, receiving touchdowns in five games. So he's averaging, you know, 80 total yards, 81 total yards, 82 total yards, and, you know, 0.6 touchdowns a game. So that's going to put you on the fantasy map and make you a fantasy starter. Now the volume um, isn't, I mean, he's going to have a bad week here soon uh, because the volume's not there. He's not going to break one and, uh, and score. So, you're looking at his old schedule, Casey, Buffalo, the first two weeks, and he had the Rams in week three. Um, didn't score a touchdown that week, but he had 71 yards total. Then in week four, the 49ers, week five, Oakland. Now he's got the Cleveland in week six. They're 17th in just fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, Tennessee is sixth. Then he's a bye in week eight, and Seattle's uh, in week nine is eighth in that metric. So I will continue to rank him probably in the high 20s, low 30s. I think he's an important player in the next several weeks due to bye weeks and, and, you know, owners should keep, keep him on the roster because you can plug and play him. Uh, when you have somebody on bye. I think he's a solid player. We talked about him in the preseason as a, uh, a player that is not only a good handcuff in terms of injury, uh, attrition play for Melvin Gordon, but he also has standalone value because they do get him involved as they give Gordon, a break and they bring in the change of pace back Eckler. So um, is he at every week starter? No, I don't, I don't think I'll have him ranked in my top 20, top 24. Um, but I think in that 24 to 32 range, he'll be there just about every week. All right. Four for four, just cut the prices for our rest of the season subscriptions. You can get a classic subscription for just $19, a pro subscription for 39 and our DFS subscription for just $79. Plus if you use the code TMAP, the most accurate podcast, TMAP, you can get an additional 10% off. RBBC situations, we talked about the Seahawks, so we won't mention them again, but let's start with the Broncos. Uh, Royce Freeman, five five rushes, 31 yards, three catches for 16 yards. Philip Lindsay, 12 carries, so he led in carries. He led in yardage, 61 yards. He also had three catches for 20 yards, and then Devontae Booker had five catches for 59 yards. What do you make of the Broncos' current backfield situation? Well, I think I think Lindsay's the lead back. I mean, over the last two weeks, uh, twenty nine touches to sixteen. Um, last four weeks, forty eight to thirty eight. Uh, it just seems like he's even maybe increasing his his role. I mean, he played thirty eight percent of the snaps. Royce Freeman thirty nine percent of the snaps. Devontae Booker twenty nine percent of the snaps, but he had seventy one percent of the carries. Lindsay did fifty four percent of the touches. So. I think he's your solid starter every week, and then you get Freeman, who's going to have he's going to pop every once in a while with uh, 50, 60, 70 touch, uh, uh, touchdowns, 50, 70, 50 to seventy yeah, rushing nice. yards and a, <laughs> and a touchdown or two because he's 
you know, maybe the primary uh, goal line back, but it seems like they want to kind of, kind of feature Lindsay as the, as the primary ball carrier and uh, pass catcher out of the backfield. Dolphins, Frank Gore, 12 carries, 63 yards. Kenyon Drake only got six carries, 46 yards. However, this was, uh, and maybe it was just game flow once they got behind, but seven catches on 11 targets for 69 yards and a touchdown. Um, do we know what this backfield is? Gore is okay in maybe standard leagues, but Drake is the, the back to own in PPR? Yeah, I think you have to, you know, start, you know, I know people that had Drake probably had him on the bench this week uh, because he's been so terrible in terms of his usage the previous couple of weeks. Uh, week four, he had four touches for 16 yards the previous week against Oakland. It was a pretty good matchup, seven touches for 10 yards. Uh, so I'm sure he got uh, a lot of bench time. <laughs> this week and he ended up having a pretty nice day at 13 touches um over 100 yards and a, and a touchdown uh, i think they're i think adam gase realizes that he needs to get drake more involved he's certainly the more explosive runner of the two um but then you look at the rushing attempts and it's gore uh had the advantage here 12 to 6 uh the nice thing to see is that drake played 64 percent of the snaps and saw all that work in the in the passing game. No, no other running back got a, a target there. So I think he's starting to trend back up a little bit, Kenyon Drake is. Jets, uh, below Powell, 20 carries, 99 yards. Isaiah Crowell, 15 carries, 219 yards, and a touchdown against the Broncos. I think we could start targeting Denver pretty heavily from a run defense standpoint. Yeah, they just got c- completely destroyed. Uh <laughs> In the running game, it's 318 yards rushing between the two of these guys on 35 attempts. Um, this running game is going to be difficult to kind of peg because they're not always going to be this, you know, productive. And it seems like either Powell or Crowell go off either, you know, or at least have a good fantasy game every other week. It's hard to know uh, exactly when when it's going to be a Crowell game because you know you look at Crowell against Denver, 15 for 219 and a touchdown. The previous week against Jacksonville, he had four carries for zero yards. Uh, the previous game against Cleveland, he had two touchdowns, but he only I mean, had 16 carries for 34 yards, but he did have two touchdowns. The previous game against Miami, 12 for 35, no touchdowns. And then the first game of the year against the Lions, 10 for 102 and every and two touchdowns. He was like every other week he's having a good week. So I guess bench him against uh, Indianapolis and start him on, against Minnesota in week seven. All right, Packers, Jones, seven carries, 40 yards. Williams, six carries, 33 yards. Montgomery, four carries, 15 yards, 23-yard catch catch on three targets. This is an utter RBBC nightmare, I think. And I know a lot of people keep waiting for Jones to kind of bust out, but they're they're continuing to get Williams in the mix. This is the definition of a committee, and you have, as we mentioned, a very stubborn head coach who's going to do whatever he wants to do uh, with regard to this. I thought that heading into this game with the Lions struggles to stop the run, they were giving up 158 yards rushing per game and the Packers only ended up with 88 uh, on 17 carries. Uh, But they started, you know, they started with Jamal Williams um, and then Jones got a little bit of playing time and then they got into catch up mode and it was more Williams because he's a best, better pass protector and he's decent out of the backfield as a pass catcher. But Montgomery was being sprinkled in his little bit here and there. And Jones was getting a few snaps here and there. He caught two passes for 19 yards as well. Um, I think this is going to continue uh, until we see different. So it's really hard to start any of these guys until one of them really gets into where he's getting 12 to 15 touches per game as opposed to 6 to 10. 
Ravens, Alex Collins, 12 carries, 59 yards. Buck Allen, 34 yards on eight carries. He also caught six of eight targets for 44 yards. Clearly, they like Buck Allen in the passing game. But I, I noticed when, and Joe Flacco was awful yesterday, threw a pick uh, literally at the goal line in the first half and just completely, uh, you know, sank Baltimore's offense. Nevertheless, uh, a lot of Alex Collins owners, myself, uh, myself included, keep seeing Buck Allen get uh, a lot of the, the carries inside the 20. Is it time to give up on Collins? Give up on as in cut him? Probably no, not. Yeah. Give You know, bench him? Yeah, I mean, I benched him in our FFPC league this this week in favor of Chris Thompson and Philip Lindsay. Um, we also have, happen to have Buck Allen on the bench there, but I'm just looking at the season, you know, Buck Allen is outscoring, not only is he outscoring Collins in PPR, 65.7 to 52.4, but he's also outscoring him in standard because he's got three rushing touchdowns to Collins' two. So he's he's the goal line back. I know Collins has a couple touchdowns and did get some carries inside the, t- the 10. That's why he has those touchdowns. But, uh, you know, when it's first and goal at the one, it seems like it's Buck Allen in there instead. And he's just such a giant factor in their passing game. I think he's getting to be the better start on a weekly basis. All right, finally, Titans, Deion Lewis, 12 carries, 34 yards, three of four, so three catches for uh, on, on four targets for 14 yards, and then Henry only rushed 11 times for 56 yards. I think it's the same thing here. I, if you still have him in – if you still have Henry in your lineup, I mean, that's that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, was supposed to, this was supposed to be the week where Derrick Henry had a good game, man, because it was going to be Buffalo. They were going to – Jump out to a lead, and they were going to run them run them twenty times, but that didn't happen. The game uh, stayed close, and uh, he got his typical eleven carries for you know fifty the yards per carry is pretty good, eleven for 55, 56. But you know, looking at again on on the season, Deion Lewis is outscoring him fifty five point seven to twenty six point four in PPR, and he's outscoring him uh, in standard as well thirty four point seven to twenty three point four. I don't know. I mean, I. I wrote an article that said that Derrick Henry, I also said Brandon Cooks, they're both being overdrafted. So one out of two ain't bad, but I, I don't have Henry on any of my teams. If you have him, I mean, I think at this point he's probably cuttable. If you somebody, uh, I mean, the, the only thing I can see happening to turn his season around right now is a Deion Lewis injury. And if that happens, then now he's going to get a significant bump in workload and he can be productive. So he might be worth keeping just as a, attrition play because Deion Lewis does not have the most durable history when it comes to injuries. So um, in shallower leagues where you're just trying to find somebody to start, then, you know, I think he's getting to the point where he's cuttable, but in larger leagues, bigger rosters, and you can, you can stash him. I think that's a good idea because if Lewis goes down, he's going to blow up. All right. Redskins saints tonight, Monday night football, they'll wrap up week five. The saints are a six point favorite. The over under is set at 52. So, at least in Vegas, they're expecting a high-scoring game. A couple of injury-related news for you. Adrian Peterson was removed from the injury report for the Skins. Kamara removed from the injury report for the Saints, but Ted Ginn was already ruled out a couple of days ago with the knee injury. Eight, hashtag revenge spot here. Revenge game for Adrian Peterson, right? <laughs> yeah. I think he may have he may get game planned out, though, or game flowed out in this one if, if the Saints jump up uh, to a lead and they go a lot of Chris Thompson. Uh, the Redskins go a lot of Chris Thompson in, in catch up mode, although they aren't 
afraid to throw the ball to Adrian Peterson this year. He's been getting more involved. You know, you could see him having a big game, um, but this probably shapes up to be more of a Chris Thompson game. I think on the Saints side of the ball, the thing I'm most interested in seeing is uh, the split between uh, Kamara and Ingram, who's back from suspension. And then um, Ted Ginn is out for the game. So who gets his snaps and targets? Is it Cameron Meredith, Traquan Smith, Austin Carr, or, or somebody else? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how that wide receiver core shakes out behind Ginn. Um, and and really, the the Ingram-Kamara thing is probably the most fascinating thing to me. Uh, are they going to really scale back Kamara's touches uh, heavily? Uh, you know, He's been so productive. Um, but they probably want to to limit his workload a little bit to keep him healthy, and, and Ingram's a perfect guy to, to pick up 10 to 12 touches. Excellent. All right, well, that's all we have for you on the podcast. Oh, by the way, I'll have a Monday Night Football pick for you a little bit later on. I'll tweet it out or visit the 444.com homepage. Uh, another successful day yesterday. Joe Flacco ruined my perfect day. That's why I was kind of bitter with him a little bit earlier. But 2-1 uh, and one on the day, and I'm 18-5-1 and one against the spread. So still off to a pretty good start. And, again, I'll have a pick for the Monday Night Football game. Don't forget about that League Sync app that we have. Just search 444 or League Sync in the App Store. Existing Pro and DFS subscribers get full access to the app's features. Everyone else receives a seven-day trial, so make sure you check it out. Also, if you don't have a subscription yet for 444.com, jump on it. The prices were lowered for the rest of the season. You've got classic subscription for only $19, pro subscription for $39, DFS subscription for $79. Plus, if you use the code TMAP, you get an additional 10% off. For John Paulson, you can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time, which is Friday, on the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm about to